Welcome to Cast of Creators. We're your hosts. I'm Nelson Thal. And I'm Casey Stewart. We spent our careers in media and publishing, and now we're setting the stage for creative people who inspire us to share their stories. Cast of Creators is presented by our new social browser called Hover. Hover makes browsing fun. You can follow people and your favorite sites to discover and discuss the web all in one place. Download Hover, that's HVR, in the App Store or the Play Store. Today's guest is Kay Parker a Toronto-based creator and media personality. We talk about the trials and tribulations of being a young musician, a mom of three, and the power of authenticity when growing an online community. This episode is just Kay and I, so let's jump right in. Welcome to Cast of Creators, Kay. Thanks, thanks for having me. So, where did it all begin? I know you grew up in St. Catharines because my mom's from Welland. Okay, stop, you're from Welland. Well, I am not, but my mom is from Welland. She grew up in Welland. So I know St. Catharines fairly well as a through town. For- I, I'm sorry about your mom. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It, I can understand that. Um, Just she, kidding. I love my Welland people. She, um, she grew up, uh, I guess, in the 50s in Welland. And I have cousins that grew up there and uh, Fawn Hill. All through hey, there. Fawn Hill's fancy now. It is fancy now. I know. A lot of nice places out in Fawn Hill. Yeah. So I was born in St. Catharines, okay. but that's not where I stayed. That's not where I lived. I actually lived in Niagara Falls. I grew up there. You grew up in the falls? Yeah. It's not really better. Oh, wow. Ooh. There's a certain, uh, you know, something about people who grew up in the falls. I know. What bit of an, of an outlaw. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. And they were like, so okay, you know- it was getting a little too crazy. So that's when they decided before I turned 13 to move me out into the country into Niagara and the Lake to calm myself down. It's probably a good decision because you grew up on basically, you know, Clifton Hill pretty well then. <laughs> yeah, if I you, do. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Except for in, where I lived in the falls, it was more of a nicer, it was like a little mini Italy I lived in this really beautiful community. I wonder if you can guess where it was. Oh, n- well, no, I can't. <laughs> because my, you know what? My knowledge of the falls is pretty falls slash power generation. Okay. Other than so, that, it's not really, uh, you know, much. I don't know much. So there was like an actual like Clifton Hill. But then like where I'm from, we were like pretty far from it. We were We were in our own little community. It was actually very, very sweet. But towards the power generation or away from the away. power generation? Away from the power everything generation. Everything was away. Okay. Everything. I was actually closer to Niagara-on-the-Lake. I was on the cusp of Niagara Falls and Niagara-on-the-Lake. And I was in a very, very beautiful oh, towards area. towards Lake Ontario. I guess that's even worse. If- yeah, but that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. So um, the community was called Mount Carmel. So that's where I was from. It's a very, very beautiful community. And- Sounds it. Yeah, I didn't really have to leave it. I ha- we had our Carm- own park. Caramel? Carm- Carmel. 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 Wow. C-A-R-M-E-L. Carmel. Beautiful. It's like so, a, a Willy Wonka type right? establishment. <laughs> but like, it was like a little community had like brick all around it. We had our own little park. We had our own little forest. I biked. I played with all my friends. And then like right outside of it, we had our little grocery store, our pets. Like we had everything we needed in our own little space. So I didn't really have to leave or go out. So when you were that age, though, y- you weren't driving, obviously, so you couldn't get to the falls by yourself. No. 
So, okay. So it's not, I, you're not. I'm not the you, typical Niagara no. Falls. Uh, no, but Actually, I still had the attitude. It's a bit of a mischaracter, yeah, but not maybe not as hardcore. <laughs> just a personality maybe not as trait. hardcore, yeah. <laughs> but, bit of a mischaracterization in, in the sense that, in my mind, I picture like twelve-year-old roaming Clifton Hill with her like group of girls, and that's a that's a, a different. That was a different stage. No, I'm not like a downtown Niagara Falls girl. Mm-hmm. No, okay. I was more like I still played Barbies. When okay. I, like I was like, and and those girls don't. No, no, those girls did not play. No, I just meant like I stayed within my little community. We didn't go out on Clifton Hill much unless like a parent tr- took a, you. A parent took me. Yeah, because yeah. I didn't really leave outside of that. Right. Um. I also had my best friend was from Niagara Lake, so I did spend a lot of my time out in Niagara Lake anyway. Or all of like we had a church in St. Catharines that I spent. I grew up in a Christian Pentecostal household. So I spent a lot of my time in St. Catharines in that so, regard. So for anybody who doesn't know. <laughs> oh, God. What's the. Uh, when you OK, so you can say Christian. Yeah. Okay, but then when you add the Pentecostal, Pentecostal what what is that tweak to it? Is there a specific tweak that is clear cut? <sighs> So uh, like, what's that to each Well, I'm not I don't really label myself as like a Pentecostal. Um, I mean, growing up, like but what, growing what is up, this, the, the actual tweak to it. I will say that I got sent to church camp and church camp. yeah, I went to church camp. Can you imagine? I went to church camp and I would go to said church camp and we would have to go to church and they would teach you and like try to promote children to use tongues. Like practice tongues. What does that mean? Are you serious? Yeah. What do you mean okay. by tongues? So like practicing tongues is like you're allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through, like flow through you. And it actually like you'll have your own language given by God. Okay. So you'll have this. When I think about it, it's very culty a little bit. And I'm so sorry. But it's not tennis camp. It's not tennis camp. <laughs> But we would there would just be all these kids of all these ages, like singing praise and giving thanks and like having mass yeah. and church and like li- like listening to lectures. But then at the end, through praising the Lord, they'd be like, OK, like if you want to speak out in tongues and like people would shake and people would like. I have a lot of questions about my life, but yeah. But is that the tweak? The kid, not the camp. I guess the tweak of the Pentecostal tweak. is not really clear. <laughs> no, but it's like you if you went to a Catholic church, yes. they don't send you to that. No, I don't think so. No. Although it so, sounds Catholic churchy. Right. Yeah, it does. It does camp. sound a little Catholic churchy, <laughs> but that's not like Catholic is more of like you go into a church. You have like a things like traditional that things that you do. You say a few lines, you repeat. It's very like, what's the word that I'm looking for? Catholic is very... To, to the book uh to or, the book or, and it has like a, it's not oh uh, i'm trying to say tradition well, but it's not a tradition it's just I like i think of it mostly as indoors indoors <laughs> but you go in and you have like the body of christ and it's very ceremonial yes. like you have like certain steps you take every single yep. pentecostal is a more modern approach they use modern problems and they kind of put the bible okay. into it it just so happened that like they have church camps and the whole basics of it was great, except for now as an adult, I'm looking back and I was like, why did they push tongues on us? Why? Like, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I was like six. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know, it's also kind of a 
graphic name. Yeah, speaking in tongues. Yeah. Yeah. So this is in, this is in caramel. (laughs) No, that's in St. Catharines. Okay, okay. This is in, this is in Niagara on the Lake. (laughs) No, then I moved to Niagara Lake. I was (laughs) like... This is my life's in, complicated. Okay, so now you get to Niagara on the Lake. I'm in Niagara on the Lake. I'm 13 years old, okay. and Niagara on the Lake is it like the sort of you know Niagara on the Lake that it is today, or what? Or is it? You know, I think Niagara on the Lake was always Niagara on the Lake. Uh-huh. But when I got there, Niagara on the Lake wasn't as developed as it is today. Mm-hmm. It was. The original, the OGs of Noddle were still there. The Did communities. You have a McDonald's? Yeah. Yeah, yeah McDonald's. we did. But the McDonald's, I remember there was a huge fight about it because it had, the, the M had to be at a certain level. It couldn't be so high. They had to have a certain like look to it. It couldn't be a yeah. proper McDonald's. It had to like fit in with That's nice. the Niagara Lake vibe to keep oh, the old nice. town. Yeah. Look and character and charm. Like that. Have they kept that sort of up to date? They sort of kept that standard? Yeah. They've they've modernized it and they're I know like we have a lot of people from Toronto coming in and like things are becoming more modern, but it's still a very nice winery getaway. We still have Queen Street that looks the exact same. I think there's just more to experience and do and we're just kind of evolving. So did you end up growing up with a bunch of kids who had winery parents? Yeah. You're <laughs> all rich and jerks. <laughs> and I'm just this kid that like moved in. I didn't know anybody. And I was just like trying to like make friends. And no, it was um, I, I was really excited about moving there because it's an art school and I loved the arts. So being able to be part of a community that was all about dance and music and drama, that's that's my core. So I was really excited to be part of that. Our school only had like 500 people. Oh, that's great. Right? I went to a similar size school in Toronto. But <laughs> how, how? Oh, was it private? Yeah, it was yeah, private. Of course. Of course. Of course. Well, to be that Niagara small, on the to lake. be that small, it would have to be. But, you know, the irony is um, most private schools in major cities lack a lot of the uh, activities that a rural public school would have. Yeah, a rural public school actually is better in many ways. We didn't even have a football a, team. Well, yeah, well, I didn't have a football team. <laughs> you know, we didn't have a football player, <laughs> let alone a team. But uh, we didn't have like you don't have a pool at a private school. You have to go to a pretty serious private school to have a pool. No, we don't have a pool. No, I know, but most public we had a schools, smoke shack. Okay, yeah, that's what we but had. Help, that's a small town though, Niagara yeah. on the Lake. Yeah, is that the main school? That was the cranking only out school. artists there, right? Eh? <laughs> yeah, just cranking out everybody. Are... Yeah. <laughs> no. At least he can sing at I the winery. Sing. I can sing at the winery. So you were into singing when you went to that school. Oh, I like singing. singing, dance, drama was like through your single digits into your teens. Yeah. Okay, so um, start singing, and I guess you're doing plays. What are they doing yeah. in the school for singing plays? Yeah. Plays. I was. What at- are some of your uh, roles? <laughs> So that's like, it actually started at church, good old St. Catherine's church. So they had all these like really cool Christmas plays. And that's how like, I really got into like, like the dramatic arts, like being in plays. I loved it. 
And then when I went into musical theater at the high school, I was like, this is so exciting because it's music and drama. Mm-hmm. So it's like two and then dance. Yes. So I was like in nice. my glory because I love doing all of those things. Mm-hmm. In um, high school, I was the uh, I love drama, yeah. but I was the uh, like the actual lighting and sound technician. That makes sense. You're a tech okay. guy. Yeah. But, you know. Growing up now, I look back and I think, you know what? I probably should have done a little bit more of both, like a little bit more of on stage. It's stuff nice too. to, you know, diverse yourself, but sometimes you just stick to what you're good at. And if you know you're really good at behind the scenes and you like the tech stuff and making it all happen, hey. There's certain interesting value in improv type stuff. You ever get into any improv? Yeah, I, tr- I try improv. It's a, you're walking a tightrope with improv. It's yeah. uh it's very uh, nerve wracking. I'm not the best. I'm pretty spontaneous person, but I think I think too much. And that you can't really do with improv. The whole point of improv is you're just supposed to let go. Yeah, and I am a control think. freak. Mm-hmm. Letting go. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. I so, got to get better with that. Well, you may want to do more improv. <laughs> That's you know what? what improv helps with. Sign up for an improv class. I wonder I've if that would help. Doing that. You know what? We should do that. I'll tell you. I guarantee you, if we signed up for an improv class, we'd be nervous at that class. Okay, that like, would there's be very an few awful things that you experience. get nervous for, but I'd be nervous. You, you couldn't help but be nervous. No, I would probably class. shit my pants. Oh, full, straight up. Oh my goodness, but uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? What if we sign something. up for an improv class you and then warn we? Them. <laughs> you and have to we warn them. and we record it as a cast of creators improv. Yeah, I'm game. I'd do that. I think we should. All right. We may edit, we may edit that part out. I'm already but, nervous. But yeah, that no, means I know. I'll tell you. My stomach's turning. Yeah. But don't worry. Don't, those are, in- it's a cheap chair. Don't okay. worry about the chair. You can do anything you want in All that right. chair. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So um, what are the, some of the roles you had? You remember some of the plays you did in high school? You know what's funny is that- it's no. No, it's a blur. It is, but you enjoyed it. But I enjoyed it. So then that segued into a. a That's into, sad. Yeah, but it. Huh. What happens? Like I remember doing it. I remember being on stage. I remember performing, but I don't remember what I was performing. I remember the experiences, but that's all I got. Right. That's weird. Well, Not core memories. No, and obviously no one filmed them. <laughs> no. You may have to ask one of the um, wealthier kids with a camera. Hey, uh, do you have a video of that? Was that a thing back then? So that then evolved into writing and recording your own music. Mm -hmm. So walk through that evolution. And did you have an album or had you written a song while you were still in high school? Yeah. So I had my album called Desire Is. Okay. And I had... I. I hired, like, my parents helped me. We hired, like, a full thing. Um, We made these really, really great songs. I'm still proud of them to this day. They are awesome songs, especially because I was only, like, 15, 16 years old. Awesome. Amazing. And uh, I just, all I wanted to do was be a singer. I, that was my goal. And, like, in one of my song lyrics, I said, like, I'm going to be rocking on MTV. Because, like, that's what I wanted to do. I just wanted to sing. And I loved writing down my thoughts. And I loved just kind of taking my feelings and making it universal because for me, even today, what I do, what I do is because I want to connect with people. Mm -hmm. I feel like everything from the trauma to the good points, everything about my life I experienced 
And I want to share it with people because I really, truly believe that we're all the same. We all share the same emotions. We just learn those emotions through different experiences. But at the end of the day, we're all human and we all feel the same and think the same. So for me, everybody wears these masks. And I just really want to show people, like, take them off. Let them let people see who you really are. Be authentically you. Right. That's why I love music. Right. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's why you love improv. That's why I love improv. <laughs> Welcome to my TED Talk. Yeah. So at that age, what were you writing about? Oh, one of them was about just uh, I am yours was one of them. And it was just about boys and just like, you know, you have your first love and you're waiting by the phone and you're just hoping that they're going to call and you're just trying to show them like, well, like I'm here, like choose me. Those ages are super all consuming, you know, like little nuances in life are so consuming at that age. Yeah. Any passion or hobby or, or even, you know, relationships are really, you know, intense. Yeah. And like the other song was called Nothing Lasts Forever. And that was like a really intense one. And I'm like thinking like I'm 15, 16 years old. Why am I having these really intense thoughts? But I was just talking about like, no matter what I do, no matter what I say. And it was like, my parents are telling me to be this way and think this way. The church is telling me to be this way and think this way. But my soul is telling me. And I was just like, it was a really like. Sounds like a perfect storm for a good song. And that's what it was. It was a great song. (laughs) I bet it was. And then I had a, I had a poppy one. I'm, oh my gosh. Oh, here's your love song. Again, another just here's your love song. But all of it was about just, you're a teenager. You're Mm -hmm. having crushes. You're trying to find yourself. You want people to like you. You're trying to find your place in the world and who you are. And I wrote about it. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So with a town that's that small, can't imagine, you know, (laughs) dating is very convenient. No. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody. And they still do. Right. And everybody talks. much but it's funny because like you better pick your first guy (laughs) well because i mean he knew he would know the second guy and that's the craziest part so my ex-husband i was at a semi-formal and he saw me there and the first thing he said he's like i'm gonna marry you one day and that's when i met him wow we did wow you know it didn't end the way we thought it would but like he saw me and he was like Yep, you're my wife instantly. And he was 16 and I was 14. Wow. Yeah. So we were together from that time and we took our breaks. We saw other people, but when we weren't trying to date, we were best friends. And having somebody in your life that long, and then we got married when I was 22, 23. Wow, 10 years later. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, so he, crazy. I made a guy wait 10 years for me. Yeah. Well, he Poor seemed guy. to saw, he saw all the other girls. It's, it sounds very Bell and Gaston, actually. <laughs> saw the, all the other girls. He is a beast. Down. He is a beast, but not well, like in a, yeah, in a good way. No. <laughs> yeah, not, not, a, not a nice beast prince. <laughs> not a nice beast. Not a prince charming. Okay. I learned that the hard way. No. Um, but that is a thing. It's like I, I was in a small town and a lot of people coupled up with and are still with people that they met in that town. So unless you actually went off and journeyed elsewhere and typically yeah, people stayed sure. in the, in your community. Yeah. Um 
a lot of your friends from Niagara on the Lake actually move and are living in Toronto now? A lot of them went to like Toronto, BC. They kind yeah, BC was where like my best friend, like my childhood best friend, she's in BC right now. Yeah. Um, a lot of people veered off that kind of way. So you get into music and mm-hmm. inevitably take getting some traction. Do you share it with friends at school? Oh yeah. So Start, I'm okay. sharing it. So you're sharing it at school. <laughs> yeah. I have label companies reaching out to me. One of them wanted me to actually stop going to school so I could like tour. Yeah. And I considered it. Yeah. I really did. And I got to a point at that stage where I was like, well, I would have to look a certain way, be a certain way. And I just wasn't really having it. But now that I am the age I am now, which I won't disclose, but I think I was afraid of actually succeeding. Yeah. I I feel like I was given so many opportunities in life. And I was so like, I was so afraid of failure and I got so close to so many different things that were offered to me, but I was like, but what if I fail? And I think I self-sabotaged myself every single time. And I wrote an article and I talked about that where I said like, I really allowed my inner thoughts and my inner narrative that I wrote about myself, I'm not enough and all of the trauma that I experienced, I let that override my success and my potential. And I'm so upset, like, I look back at myself, I'm like, man, I really wish you would have went for it, like fully see what would have happened. Finishing high school was definitely a good decision, but like with other things too, I'm like, why? It sucks. Self-sabotage sucks, you know? People do that in relationships too. It's like right when oh, yeah. it gets serious, like they can't handle it because they don't want to make the commitment because they're so concerned that it like, it, it's, it's may not stick. Right. Like what if it ends? Yeah. And like. Especially right now, I'm going through the divorce and it's hell. Yeah. And I wouldn't have gotten married if I knew that this is where no, it was going to be. don't get married to get divorced. Right. Yeah. And this, what I'm going through and who he is today, that is why people, especially when people go through trauma, is why they stop themselves. Right. Because it's terrifying. Yeah, for sure. You don't want to be vulnerable and give everything you have and then all of a sudden it all get ripped away from you. Yeah. That's a really... Well, it... it you know, it in life, when you have a profound dream and you're en route to that dream, whether it's being a mother, being a father, and then whatever, yeah. whatever reason that dream doesn't actually work out, when in some respects you feel like you kind of got it in the bag, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, like if there's this. a moment, it's not something where you're like, I'm not going to have that dream. You know what I mean? It's like, no, we're en route. Like, that's what it is. We're living it. And then all of a sudden that dream disappears. Yeah. It's very tough to figure out how to process that one. Right. And like I was even on my phone with my mentor, like on the way here. And I was talking to them and I am like just talking about my brand and who I am and what I'm doing. And I was like, I don't know where I'm going. And they were like, well, yeah, you you were taught your whole entire life. And this is a multiple of mentors that I'm combining into one. But essentially, they're all saying the same thing where it's like. I was brought up to believe that you were a good little girl, keeps her head down, listens to her elders, does what she told, listen, like, you know, the basics. You go through school, you get your college, university, whatever. Your next step is you get engaged. Then you buy a home and then you make babies and then you have your nine to five and that's your life. Right. And then you have a week off once a year and you enjoy vacation. 
Right. That's that is what I thought life was about. And I'm a people pleaser. That probably comes from my background of being adopted. I always have this desire to be wanted, to be seen, to be heard. And I just I have a really bad fear of abandonment. So going through all of that, I was like, okay, like I'll do it. People say I'm going to I want to do it. I want to make people happy. So yeah, sure. I'll do that. If that's what you tell me I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. Even though I knew in my soul that I shouldn't be doing it, I still did it because I'd rather people like me and be happy with me than like ruffle any feathers. But all I wanted to do was break free and try to figure myself out. Right. So then I finally get to this point where I remember I sat down with my dad in the summer a while back and I was like, I am so unhappy. Like I have the perfect life. I have this massive house in the country, no neighbors, white picket fence. I have my dogs. I have a husband, very successful. I have my beautiful children. I have literally the perfect life. And I hated every part of it. Right. Like, wow. And it wasn't that I hated my kids. It's not that I hated, I just hated the way I felt. Right. I felt stuck. I felt like my identity was gone. I didn't know who I was, what I liked. I just became a mom and a housewife, a farmer's wife. Right. It was like it was all written. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, what happened to me? What happened right. to my goals, my dreams, my fulfillments? I would try all these little things, but then I realized all of those things were just distractions. Right. And then so when my son died, which is actually four years ago today, it's wow. yeah. Wow. I'm sorry to hear no, that. No, it's you know what? Like this is my, a, my daughter's birthday. I know. <laughs> when he said that, I was like, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I'm happy that I'm at this point where I can say, hey, it's four years and I'm not crying. I'm still moving on with life. Like time does heal. It's not like not to say that I don't. I cried over it. I had my moment, but like I'm moving in a healthier direction. And that was um, your first pregnancy? My fourth. Or your, oh, your fourth pregnancy. My fourth. Okay. Yeah. And because of his death, I realized a lot in my life. And I was like, I took it as like he kind of died so I could get my life back. Wow. And that's like a really like really intense thought and feeling. But I truly, truly believe that he kind of, he did. He risked his life so I could get mine back. Was this a late stage miscarriage? Yeah. Wow. So I gave birth to him at home. It was beautiful. I always wanted to have like a bath birth and a home birth, but I never could with any of my other pregnancies because I was always high risk. And with this one, I did. And it was intimate. and It was beautiful. And I'm always going to hold on to that memory. But when he passed away, I was like, all right, I never want to experience having a baby again because I never That's want to lose that baby again. I, ne I don't want to feel a kick. And it and just, oh, there's a chance that it's, yeah. And then you're just like giving birth to your future and you're just like, it's gone. It's literally taken from you. And you're just kind of like, I had a quote and this was like super dark and I'm sorry, but it was like, no problem. It said, uh, I was looking at my Facebook memories and it said, it's really interesting when you see your future in fragments going down the bathroom drain. And that like is something that always stuck with me. So I was going through these really intense emotions and because I went through this huge, like I was mentally checked out. I was, I did a lot of poor choices. I did a lot of things that 
were very out of my character. I was not in a good headspace. And then I was going through all these things and I had to heal myself. And through this healing, I had to do a lot of inner work where I was like, what am I doing? And I evaluated every part of my life. And that's when I created my show, Trials and Tribulations, where I talked to other people and I was learning about other people's trials and tribulations. And it was actually a tool for me to get better and to be healthier and happier. But also I was trying to show people that like, hey, we can all connect on this level. We've all experienced loss. Just some are different formats than the other one, but we all feel the same. And so I'm learning and I'm healing. And then now here I am. Wow. It's beautiful. So like, yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful way to manage the pain and the yeah. insight from it. Well, a lot of talking to other people. Right. And a lot of people don't want to do it. A lot of people try to like, they don't want to either put the burden on it. It's very stigma. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, they deal with everything inside. And I had so many women that messaged me. I was doing so many different podcasts and I was on like the news and I had all these things and people were like, it's so amazing that you're so open. And I'm not just like a little open, like I am right open. So I give people like the full description if that's what they want right. to hear, because I want people to know that they're not alone. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, when you start to, and I felt this way with our infertility um, work, but when you start to realize that being open is a route to your self-healing, it's like you get a taste of it and then it's like, okay, happy to be open with it. And you realize that the best way to heal yourself is to actually be open with it. Right. And even like people are just like, oh, write down your thoughts. And I know that sounds really stupid, but my favorite thing is to read my old thoughts Mm -hmm. because now I look back and I'm like, man, four years ago, this is where I was at. But look at where I'm at now. Right. And I can see the development in my progression and I can see where my thoughts were and what I was thinking. And then that helps me know like where I can attack on how to heal that fragment of my thought process. Wow. So you were saying that originally you were told that you couldn't have kids. Yeah. So I had cervical cancer when I was 18. Oh, my God. So I did like everything. I had like the surgery. I just I did it all. And um, and after that, they were basically like they were you know, just like, we wouldn't you know, on it. yeah, they're like we did the procedure. And my husband at the time, he had um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer when he was four and he had like a five percent chance of living overnight. So he had all his chemo and oh, wow. therapies and all the stuff and the drug that they gave him. They're like, this will either kill him or keep him here. It was just like a test, like. They're like, we'll see right. if this works. Right. But either way, they said your son has a 5% chance of living overnight. So it's right. kind of like, we'll try it, but it worked on him. Wow. So like how beautiful it is wow. that his life was preserved. And then now like he, every year he still goes and gets tested because they were just like, they're like, wow, like, and look wow. at you, like, what are your symptoms? Like, how are you feeling? What are you doing? And there, I remember going to one of his appointments and they're like, no caffeine, no heavy lifting. This guy's a farmer who drinks so much Coke and coffee. Right. And yet he's like his favorite Marvel character is Iron Man. And it's like, yeah. Wow. And we have we have like had four, but three beautiful living children. And e- easily or to take a while. That's like the weirdest part. Right away. Unexpected right away. Right away. Never had anything before. But the very first time, like, pregnant. Wow. And then I was like, I could go for another kid. And then we're like, we'll try this week pregnant. 
Wow. The third came very, very unexpected. And like, it's scary because the whole entire time I'm thinking, I just had a mindset that I'll never be a mom. Right. Wow. Yeah. And then I hear like people like you that like you go yeah, through. The, the opposite. We, uh, we ended up doing seven rounds of IVF, which is a whole uh, unbelievable battle in and of itself. None of them worked. And, um, and on the seventh was the first we actually implanted. Okay, so the others, we were just trying to make embryos and, and freezing yeah. and batching is what yeah. they call it. Um, the seventh, we actually implanted and that became a chemical pregnancy. That's what they call um, it. Okay, so that was basically a I couldn't miscarriage, even imagine. but a chemical pregnancy. So after seven, that basically, then we had a miscarriage. But the interesting thing is... For every one of those seven cycles, um, you're, the woman's body is, giving, it been, is, is given drugs to produce as many eggs as possible. But the seventh cycle was the only cycle that drugs were given to actually accept an embryo, okay? Because it's the only time we did an implantation. The next cycle after that seventh on Mother's Day, we discovered we were pregnant naturally. Yeah. What? Yeah. Out of all, after all that time, out of all that time, just trying naturally after getting married and then all those rounds of IVF and the seven and then that next cycle on Mother's Day, she, we do the pregnancy test and, 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 she, and Talia was pregnant in that's Ariel. Isn't that insane? insane? Like when they're meant to be and Mother's I, Day out of all days. Yeah, Mother's Day. And we were dreading that Mother's Day. Well, because I could that only was a like bad Mother's Day because that was basically that seventh round was our last um, our last round that we were going to do basically together. It was the last chance. And and we had um, we had an egg donor lined up um, because of co but because of covid, it, it didn't. Put, it didn't come together. So we just kept on sort of, and it's just uh, very strange, but I'll tell you that um, against all odds, like scientific odds, perfectly healthy baby. Yeah. Isn't uh, that like- the, the doctor, like literally the doctor, when, <laughs> when, when I, I, the doctor, he couldn't believe it. And this was like a new doctor. I don't even know if our first clinic even knows, maybe they do, but we, we, we think of going back and like, you like, you know, but I, I, I don't even want to go back there. It's just so brutal. But um, he was like, what is going on? God, like he, we, we were, it was, it's on a Zoom meeting, right? So like when we told them we were pregnant because we, um, we didn't, you know, we were trying to figure out what to do. She just had the miscarriage. And then we, we got to get on this Zoom with him and we we're like, you know what? We're actually pregnant. And he couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. What a beautiful, yeah. like. I can't believe it even happened. It's the type of thing, you know what, actually, and you probably felt this way in, in with your miscarriage or, or, what, or whatever you, um, how, whatever you call it. Do you call it a yeah. miscarriage or do you call it a stillbirth? No, I, I still call it a miscarriage. A miscarriage. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. You almost go into a state where your brain really checks out and numbs itself to the whole thing. Well, it's survival or it's protecting totally. you, right? So what ends up happening is, you know, in life, 
um, sometimes like you'll count a chicken before it hatches and it doesn't hatch. And then you'll sort of half count the chicken and then it doesn't hatch. Okay. So that was like our first maybe two rounds. Okay. But then like the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, by the time you're at that seventh, you're not counting even any minuscule of that chicken. Okay. And that doesn't help. It's the reverse. Right. You're actually just like, you know, you're just, you're completely disassociated with the outcome mm-hmm. in some respects. And all through that pregnancy, what was interesting was since it was COVID, I never heard the heartbeat, but you could feel your baby kicking and everything. Yeah. But all through that pregnancy, you're half protecting yourself by not really envisioning a, a, a baby, a healthy baby, on anything. It's because like you're, you're waiting so for the sick. egg to drop. Yeah, like you're just so sick of counting chickens, and it's like you're not counting chickens anymore. You just, no pun intended, like you're not counting a healthy baby anymore because right. it's like you're so you're so used to seeing them not hatch. Right. And um, so the day that, um, so Ariel's uh, birthday, when she was born last year, you know, uh, in, in the late morning, um, w- first of all, Talia, she went into this C-section like you first. would go into a, a haircut. Okay. She was such an unbelievable trooper. I, I, I don't know how she went in into a surgery like this, like so calm, just unbelievably calm. I just posted a reel today where you can see some of it. Um, but she was unbelievably calm and she went in like you'd go get your hair done and and it was like nothing. And she had battled. It was the it was the battle of her life to have that baby. But I bet like and I can't imagine I can't even for a second I can empathize, but I can't imagine what she was going through and what thoughts were going in her head. But I could only assume that she was like, until I hold that baby. Like, she probably thought it wasn't real. She was um, incredibly headstrong through the whole thing in the sense that there wasn't a month she didn't track her cycle. There wasn't, I mean, to do, she did seven rounds of IVF within a year and a half in COVID. You know, when it was a real aggravating to deal with the clinics. And um, if anybody's familiar with IVF, it's it's very, very um, uh, traumatizing to the woman's body. Like your your everything's and now she dealt with it. Her body seemed to have dealt with it well. But for some women, like it's just uh, wild times. <laughs> OK, she, I wouldn't describe hers as like that, but for I mean, for some women, it, it, it just hormonally, it's it's off the charts. Yeah. So, um, okay, so you are now in this. So you you're in music. I'm in okay? music. You're in music, and then you get basically into into you're you're engaged, and you're getting you're into mar- marriage. Well, so when but, I decided that I was going to finish school, because. Oh, this is high school, though. This was high school. Okay, right. Because yeah. you met him at 14. Yeah. Okay, so you're So this high is school. high school. I, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to go on tour. I love music, but I'm going to finish high school, and I'm going to do what my parents told me to do. So they're like, before you just go- Yeah, just, just finish high school. Finish high school, get a diploma degree, because they were always like, if it doesn't work out, you have to fall back on something. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. So I was like, well- I'll try this like college thing. So I just went to a local college. I was like, I'm going to study travel and tourism. Okay. 
I was working at hotels. I was in the industry. So I was just like, you know, doing it. And I was serving and being a barista. And I had, I was a workaholic. That's all I did was work, 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 work. And I remember um, I became a manager of a hotel. I was the youngest manager of a Niagara wow. Lake hotel at the age of like 20. And I was in school and I was like, so what do people get after this program? They're like, oh, well, you can be a manager of a hotel. And I'm like, but I am one. Right. Wow. So this is stupid. Yeah. Right. And I'm just like, well, so what are you going to teach me that I haven't learned from actually being in the industry and I've already learned it all? Right. So I ended up withdrawing from the program and then I just did my own thing and I just kept working at the hotel, managing the hotels. But I still didn't. I knew I didn't want to be in that industry because I'm like, I don't want to work shift work. I don't want to work holidays. That's just not my vibe. That's not what I wanted to do. So I ended up buying a house when I was like really young and I just kept serving and just kept on doing odd and end jobs. I ended up uh, meeting him back uh, and we like reconnected. And uh, he's like, hey, like, let's try this. I would really like to try to date you. So after X amount of years, we tried. And uh, I was like, you know what? Like, it's not really going to work. I don't feel it. And I broke up with him. And then like a couple of weeks went by and I was like, hey, buddy, I'm pregnant. So oh, wow. I was like, do you want to get married or do you want to be like, do this as friends? And he was like, well, I think we should like give it a fair shot. I think that's the universe's way of saying, hey, like stop with the BS. Let's do this fully. So then that's when we decided he was and like, this is your 23. Yeah. Yeah. I was pregnant at 22. We got married at 23, but I was like half, like, I guess a little bit like halfway long when we actually ended up getting, I had a big belly on my wedding day, but uh, he was in school full time, no money, he had nothing. And I was, so I had to sell my house because we couldn't afford to live there. I had a really complicated pregnancy. I was in and out of the hospital. I had all these problems. And then, yeah, it, we had our boy and we were living at my parents' house. We raised the baby at my parents' house. That's nice. Yeah. So That's it was convenient. a huge help. That's and, a big help. Oh, we were, while we were living there, he was, his father um, gave us a house to live in. So he was renovating the house. It's a farmhouse. And so he was doing that while I was at home raising the baby. We ended up moving into the home that his father gave us. And we were just living there until we could, you know, get money to buy our own house again. But that came along later. So that just, and then when my son was nine months pregnant, I got pregnant again. Wow. So then I just spent the majority of my life. Wow. So you got, yeah, you were pregnant again when your son was nine months. Yeah. Oh. So they were 18 months apart. Right. That's like my brother. And that's like, uh, my yeah. Brother and I. So it was insane. Like they are so close. And then I had another one and then I had another one. So like our whole marriage was just me being pregnant. Right. That was it. Like, that's what I, I was. I felt right, like so you're pregnant through most of your 20s. That's what my 20s were. were. Wow. I, right. I was I was always segregated. Like everybody else around me was partying and going to school and having all these experiences that I've never and still to this day never had. I don't know what it's like to go off to university or to college and like experiment dorm. And right. <laughs> like, I don't know what that's right. like. I was. I had a full family. Right. And now it's funny because like 
I'm at the age now where all of those people who are doing it then are just having babies mm. now and just getting married now. And I'm like, I'm, I'm in my first divorce. Right. So <laughs> I'm I'm again isolated because nobody is at my level. And the only people that I connect with are people in their like 40s and 50s because mm. that's where they're at. Right. But I just did everything so much younger. And I look at them and I'm like, you'll be where I'm at one day. Just wait. Yeah. <laughs> You'll come to me in a couple of years. But again, I'm isolated because nobody is experiencing what I'm experiencing. I'm like, congrats, you just had your baby. Congrats, you just had your second or congrats, you just got married. Right. And I'm starting over. And your eldest is how old? Nine. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Big difference. So. Especially when all these people are your contemporaries. Right. So I'm looking at everybody around me and I'm just like. I don't fit in. Mm-hmm. I don't have a place where I feel like I fit in anywhere because I I feel like, well, if I look at the people that I live around, I don't even think the same way they do. They, I'm not to say they don't have the same loss or the same feelings. I believe we all do. It's just that I went through so many things in such a short amount of time and very early that the way I think and feel is very different from what they're currently experiencing. Yeah. So I don't want to be that person that's like, I just made a joke about it, but I don't want to be that person. I want to be excited for them. I want to love them through it. I don't want to be this resentful, divorced person. That's not what I want to be. Right. But in my head, like I hear that, like I look at them and I'm projecting, I I see myself projecting my life on them. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. man, I was there. I was like, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. I've been there. I've done that. I, I, uh, Mm -hmm. I'm good. I remember what that's like. And so now I'm at the stage of life where I'm, again, I'm still reevaluating. It's like the first time where I get to make my own choices of like, where, where do I want to be? Right. Who am I? In my whole life. In my whole life. I'm still restricted. Like I have guidelines. Like, unfortunately, like I can't choose their father. Their father's their father. Yeah. And I can't take S- my children. Like Kim Kardashian. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but I can't like just take my kids and move them or I can't. Like, I'm still very restricted to what I'm able to do because of that. And that's also, for me, that's really, it's been hard because I'm like, man, am I again not being able to reach my potential mm-hmm. because I'm restricted? And it's not the children I'm up, like, it's just, no, it's, it's just the reality, the reality of, of the it. situation. Like, I'm not going to take them out of their school. I'm not, no. I'm not lifting up their, like, my kids will always come first every time their happiness, everything I do is for my right. kids. But. As I'm trying to like. It's it's interesting because being adopted, there's a thread to your life where there's always been sort of these decisions that you've been that have other people have made without without, you know, in some respect, your ability to make. Yeah. And that's why I joke about being like a control freak. It's because I'm like, yeah, like I had, you don't have control. I don't have a con- major things. Right. Like I literally have no control of my life. Mm-hmm. I have little controls of aspects of my life. Like I can choose what I eat. Right. And I can blah, blah, but blah, your blah, blah. course is one that's not very much you've been in control of. Correct. Macro aspects of it. Right. Now you've got it. So talk to me a bit more about Trials and Tribulations. This is a, a on YouTube or so on- Trials and Tribulations just started on Instagram Live. Okay. So it was just right. a yeah, it was just a way for me to build my Instagram. Yeah. Bring beautiful. people on, collaborate with different people, like really successful people. And I didn't even have like everyone's like, you have to have a niche. I'm like, niche. 
Don't want it. Yeah. I'm I'm that's how I felt about casting multi creators. Multi niche. Yeah. Where I feel like us as humans are a niche. Mm-hmm. Us connecting with people, it's a niche. Yeah. And I wanted to showcase that it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, we're all the same. I've said that multiple times. So that's literally my core value is that we're all the same. So me making trials and tribulations with showcasing, it doesn't matter if you're a celebrity musician or you're a celebrity book author or if you're a homeless person or you have AIDS or you're opening up as transgender. I don't care. You are still a person with feelings and thoughts that everybody else has at one point in in their time. That's the exact Mm -hmm. same. And that is like a human truth. Yeah. Everybody feels rejected. Everybody feels sadness. Everybody feels happiness. So if we can come to a point as a society on a global scale where we just look at people eye to eye and be like, I see you. Mm -hmm. You feel sadness. I feel sadness. You're happy. I'm happy. You feel love. I feel love. And if we can kind of come to a common ground, there wouldn't be so many problems. No, definitely not. So that's what Trials and Tribulations was. Yeah. I tried to do a little bit on YouTube. I hired a videographer. We started like going to other places and doing in-person ones. But I got to a point after a year, a full year of doing it, where I was like, okay, I got the answers. All the answers were the same. I'm going to stop because I just really need to reevaluate. I wasn't excited anymore. And I felt like I was talking about the same thing over and over and Mm -hmm. over and over again. And I didn't want to be victimized. I don't want to be like, oh, poor Kay, like, oh, her life's so sad. Like, no, I didn't want that. I don't want people to look at it and be like her experience. No, my experiences are what made me who I am. It made me resilient. It made me strong. It made me empowered. Right. Yes, I am going through still to this day so much hardships. I was in an abusive relationship. I've, I, I've been through it all. Trust me, I have. Like my life is, when I say it's complicated, like it is. I've had so many different things that have happened to me. But it's when I'm sitting and where I am today, I'm like, God, I'm so happy because it's all it is, is teaching. It's all growth. It's all trying to build you into who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to learn from to make you the person that you want to be, to be your best self. Mm -hmm. That is why if you don't experience pain, how are you supposed to enjoy happiness? Right. Right. So Yeah. Trials and Tribulations was really, really great for me to kind of do that healing, learn from others. And now I'm at a stage where I'm like, what's next? And when did you start your TikTok? And when did, and is is, is your TikTok uh, followers, following base as a result of this type of emotional connection? No. So So that was the funny thing. So TikTok, I started when it first came out, which I believe is like now four years ago. And I downloaded it right away. And it was just like a fun thing. I always like Vine. I always like mimicking people's voices. And it was just me showing my authentic self. I love, like, I am I think I'm funny. And I just like to make light of my trauma and my life because it's, I want to connect with people and I want people to not be so serious. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. And so I joke a lot. Yeah. Sometimes it really offends people. That's fine. Like I'm not everybody's cup of tea. I'm very, very open and I'm very intense to some people. And that's okay. And I I respect that I'm not everybody's person. But for me, I'm just like, yeah, I joke. I joke about my trauma. I joke about being a mom. I joke about like, I used to have a whole thing about like alcohol. I would just like whip out the tequila bottle. And I just, I have fun with it Mm -hmm. because life is supposed to be fun. I just want to like, I was like, just because I put something out on the internet, it doesn't make it true. Sometimes I just do things just to 
be an idiot, mm-hmm. like, and just make people laugh. Yeah. And there were moments like my very, very, very first TikTok was just me and my kids, like all doing baby shark and just having fun. And then it was just like, I remember my second TikTok was my life be like, ooh, uh, and then it was me showing my fourth baby. And then the next one was me losing my baby. So that like brought up a lot and it was very sad for a bit. But then I used TikTok as a way just to do something silly at home. And then I ended up getting this following. But right now it's funny because I'm struggling with TikTok. I'm losing followers. I'm losing views. And I've talked about this before in other interviews where sometimes you get really consumed and you get lost because like every day I post and I'm like, oh my God, I'm getting 300 views. Like today I posted one and got like 78 views. And I'm like, what? I have like almost 180,000 thought. Like why, why am I getting only this many views? And then I just deleted it because I was pissy. Right. And then algorithms keep changing and thing, and you're just always fighting and chasing. And, and then I was like, all right, I need to stop. I need to like dial everything back and like really think about it. And that's again, why I call my mentors and I'm like, and they said the same thing. It's like, well, what do you want? What I love about TikTok and social media platforms is they're really just trying to showcase authenticity. Mm-hmm. Who are you? How are you going to connect with others? Communities. Mm-hmm. That's all people want is to connect with people. That is why we have social media. Mm-hmm. It's to learn and connect. That's it. So when I'm looking at my social media and it's just me dubbing a bunch of sounds and being silly, yeah, that's great for like, but what's my point? Right. If I want to monetize it, what are they going to monetize? Right. Nothing. I don't right. have anything I'm monetizing. Right. I know what I'm talking about. I know every, I've managed a lot of social media accounts. That's what I do. I do brand development. I do sales, marketing, social media. That's what I do. I know it very well. But it's funny, for my own, I'm lost. And then my mentor was like, that's because you're lost. It's the first time in your life. They're like, what, have you, what do you do when you're alone? And I'm like, what, what do I do when I'm alone? I'm not ever alone. I don't know. And that was the whole point of my marriage. I, I lost myself. Yeah, you weren't single very much. No, no. Yeah, you've never really been single never. now. Right. And even yeah. still, I'm dating. Right. And I'm still in a relationship, like currently. Right. And I think about that all the time. And just the other day, he came over and he was like, I was like, I think I need space. Not like from just like alone. alone. I, and I really value being alone. And it's not like his problem. It's not anybody's problem. It's just that. I don't know what it's like to just be alone. So I told him today, I'm like, one day I'm just going to turn my phone off for an entire day. I'm going to sit in a tub and I'm just going to think without any distractions. And I'm going to be alone all day. And I would love to know what I think about. One of the nice things, though, um, is that having kids gives you a bit of a, it allows you to at least not feel completely alone right because i imagine before kids being adopted if you are alone you can really feel alone oh i used to look at my parents and i'd be like i don't know who you are i'm not connected to you right like you know if like you looked at your mom and you're like oh i have my grandparents eyes or i have my mm-hmm. my dad's laugh and you connect yeah. that's i've never had that right i don't know what it's like to like 
hear stories about my loved ones and be like, oh, oh yeah, that's right. where I get that from. I remember when I first met my mom, I was like, how old are you? 18. And I looked at her and we're like twins. She just looks more like tired. She like she's she has a very she has a hard life and okay. it, it, she wears it. Okay. Like you can see like she got so abused by my grandmother that her bones stopped growing and she has an artificial leg. Ugh. Like that's where I come yeah. from. Abuse, alcohol, drugs, abandonment. That is my that's it. So when I met her, I remember I looked at her and I was like, I can see it. And we smile and our gum lines were the same. And then she's like, somebody made a joke and we laughed and our laugh was the same. And I was like, but then the weirdest thing happened because I looked at them and I'm like, well, shit, I don't connect with you either. Right. Because you're not me. Right. So, but they're not me. And you're not me. So who the fuck am I? Right. And that was really, really hard. Right. Because it doesn't, it didn't provide you any piece of closure or oh, comfort. I was like, great. Thought. You're like, dead great. End. I was like, so that's my mom. Awesome. It's great to meet her. Right. But it doesn't, it doesn't help the, 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 how you're feeling. Nope. Not at all. And so my whole entire life, like, I want to write a book and I want it to be about finding myself mm -hmm. because that is what I've literally spent my whole life trying to figure out is who am I? Where am I going? What, like, what is this? I have no, maybe that's why I, I love connecting with people as much as I do is because I've never felt that connection. Right. Wow. It's beautiful. It sounds like a great book. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so. I think that's like, that is a goal of mine is to write that book. A lot of people told me I need to write a book. So my life's so crazy. And I, I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, like I should write a book because I really want people to like, just generally, again, understand that like when I did all my healing, I realized that I have to provide with myself with all those feelings. I have to love myself so much that I don't require it from other people. I have to be confident in myself so much. I have to, all of these, I have to feel myself. Because right. if I keep searching outwards, I'm always going to be left in a void. So that's yeah. kind of where I ended up with my healing. Reminds me of that, uh, the rest is still unwritten right. line. Like Natasha Bedingfield. Yeah, like Natasha Bedingfield. <laughs> yes. So now I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, I know my skills. I, I know I'm a mom. I gave my, I self-labeled myself as certain things. My children are my purpose. They're the reason why I wake up, I live, I breathe. Like they're everything to me, all I want. And I see fragments of myself and then that's going to kind of bring us back to what we we're talking about is I look at my kids and I'm like, yeah, she gets my, like my youngest Mowgli, she's like my wild card. I'm like, yeah, that's her. You can see like she's aggressive. She's stubborn. She's determined. She is like no, like no fear. Mm -hmm. And she's just adventurous and she just goes. And I'm like, yeah, love it. And then I have my middle child and she's just this like most loving, sensitive, social butterfly who just is the most caring, nurturing human I have ever met in my life. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's another part of me. And then there's my son. And he understands me more on a level that I've never have with anybody. 
and he is so empathetic and so emotional, but he also can't regulate the emotions. But that's also a part of me where he goes from zero to 100. And I can see that part of me. I'm like, oh, that was me. And it's, it's interesting to have these children and see yourself. And it was the first time that I was like, yeah, like that's me. I yeah, finally created something mm-hmm. that I can relate to. And I can see myself in them and my faults and my positives, they're all there. Mm-hmm. And it was like a really beautiful experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You'd be probably very lost without them. Oh, yeah. I don't. If they were gone, I would be like, now what? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know. I couldn't even imagine my life without him, which is funny because before I couldn't imagine a life with, with kids. kids. Yeah. And now I'm in it. And I'm just like, imagine if I didn't have them. And somebody told me, and this always stuck with me. They're like, well, welcome to being a parent. You will never wake up for yourself again. Yeah, it's true. And I was like, it's true. Ew, like what? They're like, yeah, think about it. When's the last time you woke up? And you're like, what does Kay want to do today? Ever since I got pregnant, it's always been about my son. And then it's been about both of them and then all three of them. But I have never put myself first since the day I found out I was pregnant. Wow. Same yeah. thing for you as a father. Yeah. There's no difference. It's true. I haven't woken up for myself since she, since I right. was born. Right. <laughs> And no matter if you go on holidays, you go on vacations, you take weeks or whatever, it doesn't matter. You're still never going to wake up for you again. Mm-hmm. You can say like my mom's, uh, she's much, much older. She's has Parkinson's and she's ill. And she still says she never wakes up for her anymore because she's always like she's stressed out about my divorce. The other day she was like, my dad, I shouldn't even be saying this, but it's a really funny story. But she was sleeping and she's punching my dad. And my dad's like, ah, what? And she's like, oh my gosh, I thought you were Sarah's ex-husband. Yeah. And like, because that's like, even when she's sleeping, she's hurting. She's feeling me. And she looks at my situation. She's like, this shouldn't be happening. This isn't right. This isn't normal. And so even at her age, in her 70s, almost 80s, I don't know, maybe she's in her 80s right now. I should should know, but I don't. I'm bad with that. But (laughs) she still wakes up for me. And her son. And I think about that. I'm like, I will never. I'll never know what it's like to like truly be single. No. No. Never. I lost that. Yeah, you lost that. I will never be single. No. Oh, God. Hopefully. Right. I hope. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, that that ship sailed. And that hit me hard because when I was younger, all I did was try to date because of my thought that I wasn't enough. So I was people pleasing. I wanted to be enough. I wanted to be chosen because I never was chosen. I was given away. I was rejected. So what I wrote in my music, I was like, love me, choose me, want me, desire me, please. I want to be wanted so bad. Somebody want me. Right. So then that's my childhood. That was my teenage was trying to fill that void. Right. So even when I was single and learning. Right. And you ended up basically getting that wish. And before you knew it, you never had a chance to un- un- unwish it. 
careful what you manifest. Yeah. You get everything you yeah, want. Careful what you manifest. Careful what you think. Careful what you say. Careful what you want, because you will get that exact thing. Right. So that's when people say, and that's what I'm, I talk to people all the time. I'm like, be careful of what you say your goals are. I don't want you just to write a goal and say, I want to be a mom. Great. What does your child look like? What does it smell like? What colors are you going to paint the room? Where do you see it? How are you going to raise the kid? What are your values? You should have a goal and it be so detailed and thought out of that that's like your end. Right. But from, from the sounds of it, which is quite interesting, which I haven't really thought about before, is that sometimes your goals can come from a real subconscious biased place. Yeah. You know? Your perception and everything you experience becomes your narrative and your reality. You are the creator of your, your own reality. And I say, I'm like, this is my narrative because of what I've experienced. So I'm going on life based off of, like, I joke now that I'm this huge feminist that hate men. Love you all. Like, just joking. But mm -hmm. not really. Mm -hmm. Because I've been constantly screwed over by them. Mm -hmm. Literally my entire life, I've been abused in every form from a man. So now, like my poor partner now, I'm like, I told him, I sat down, I dated. I'm like, you have to know that if you sh try to control me in any way, or if you show any signs of ego, I will do what I want, when I want, where I want, how I want it. And you will have no say. And that's it. Right. And I don't care. And I'm like, if you cause me problems, I don't have the capacity to care. Right. And I've told him that. Right. And I said, it's not because I don't love you and no, I don't want you. It's, it's just true. It's true. Right. And I don't like it's who I am. So if you don't like me, bye. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people can't handle a woman like me because I'm very independent. I'm very set in my ways because I'm not going to get fucked around because I've done it. I've been there. I don't want it. I'm over it. Mm -hmm. So show me like if you say you're this person, show me. But if you're not, I'm not going to sit around and wait for you to change because you're not. Mm -hmm. I've also learned that. Yeah. So I don't try and change people. No, you because you can't. People I don't are. Think you can't. Either. You can't. People say, well, no, 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 because they'll always go back unless they want to change. That is the only way that somebody will change. And they're going to have to put in a shit ton of work for it mm -hmm. because to change, like even in my four years, I just talked to my best friend about it. She came over and we were just chit chatting with our kids and she was like, who I met like a while ago is not who is here in front of me today. And we were looking at photos of myself and she says, I don't even slightly look the same as I used to look. And that was spooking me out. But I was like, yeah, because I'm finally being who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm finally becoming doing the work. I'm doing the work and I've done the work and I'm still doing the work. The work never ends. Yeah. And that's what people think. If, if they don't want it, they're usually stopped because they're too afraid to do the work. Like, can you imagine just spending time going in your darkest, darkest self and seeing it face value and being like, whoo, that takes a lot of guts mm -hmm. to actually do your shadow self and do your shadow work. It was not fun. <laughs> right. Being accountable for everything that you've done. Well, um, it's... It's tough and in your situation, it's pretty easy to point the fingers to everybody but yourself. Right. Because you're like, well, you did this and you did yeah, that. Yeah, because they that. have made decisions that have impacted you. Right. But how those decisions end up manifesting in your life now that you're in control of your life is 
the joke's only going to be on you. Right. That's the thing. Right. And even still, it's not that I didn't also, I could have said no. Right. Like everybody has choice in oh, some yeah. regard. It's not that you don't have choice. Right. It's just that the whole, it's like a perfect storm to manifest the the thing that really is too biased to the, you know, the foundational emotions of, of your arc. Yeah. Yeah. So that manifesting something that you think is your solution, but it ends up being your your prison. Yeah. You know, and it's some... and it's funny, like it was like I and I look back, oh God, Facebook memories, man, they're like so great, but so horrific because I look at my past self and I'm like, I look so happy. Mm-hmm. But that's the key about social media. You're posting the happy You're stuff. You're posting the happy stuff. Yeah. But I remember what I felt in that moment. And I remember what I was thinking in that moment because I, I look at this photo and I'm like, but in reality, this is what I was really feeling. Mm-hmm. But in that photo, I'm with my kids. I'm with my husband. I'm just like, my mm-hmm. life is so great. No, no. I had so many demons that I was fighting every single day. And I lost myself. And again, that's where I'm at. And that's where I got to where I am today. And I love who I am today. I took accountability. I had somebody come in to like help me through the divorce and with everything going on, it's very contentious. A lot of things are going on and she's like, I'm just here to support you. So like, just let me help you. And I'm like, the system's broken this. And then I'm so angry. And I'm just like, where is that getting me? Mm -hmm. What is, I just need to just take a step back. And now I just focus on all my attention on just like love, pure love, pure light. That's all I can do. You can, I learned that you can never control other people. Right. You only can control yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So if other people don't want to apologize, be accountable. You can't, you can't. And sometimes the best way to control somebody else is by controlling yourself. Right. And, and they, and that in effect rubs off and gets things going. Right. right exactly. And that's what she said. She was like, in this specific situation, I won't go into details, but she's like, if you didn't do that one thing. And if you would have regulated yourself, maybe that would have been avoided. Mm-hmm. Didn't mean you didn't have the right. You did 100%. But imagine if you just took a different approach. Mm-hmm. But she's like, but again, you had the full right. But you could have done things a little bit differently. Just to, and then that's how I think about life now. It's like, right. If I just stay calm and cool and collected, then what, what do you got right. in any aspect? Right. Whether it's personal work, it just stay grounded. Yeah. Regulate. It's, like, it's it's like a keep your power thing. Yeah. It's like the best way to keep your power is in many ways keep try and keep your composure. Yeah. Another one of my mentors said, Are you gonna choose to allow them to like are you gonna be a prisoner? Mm-hmm. Or are you gonna choose freedom? Because if you give them all your power, which is your emotions, which is who you right. are. Right. You are in ultimate slavery. Right. And when you think about it that way, isn't that crazy that you can just give someone all of you just by not regulating yourself? You're in ultimate slavery. You just gave them all of you. Right. Or can you just turn? Why do it? Why do it? Or you can just choose to learn from the experience, move on. Mm -hmm. And then they don't have access to you. Nobody has that control or power over you. You are the only one that has the power of yourself. What you say what you feel. Your feelings are just feelings. It's if you act on them. Mm -hmm. Your thoughts are just thoughts until you act on it. Right. 
If I I heard um, a celebrity was saying this and I actually saw this on TikTok. She's like, if I swear at you in Polish right now, you don't speak Polish, right? No. So I could say anything I want to you in Polish. I can make I can say that I can make you feel this big in Polish, mm-hmm. right? You don't know what I'm saying. There's no meaning behind it. Mm-hmm. So does it have an effect on you? No. Right. It's just somebody saying useless, pointless things to you. Right. That is the thing that I've learned. Right. If you don't put meaning behind anything, you're untouchable. Mm-hmm. So just focus on you. Keep moving forward. Keep Just do you and don't allow other people because people are just projecting their own shit on you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's their own. It's. It's not my business of what I care, like what you think about me. Why do I care? That's your thoughts. It's your feelings. It's not going to affect my life. Right. If you're going to try to affect my life and it has an impact on my life, what is mine will always be mine. What is not mine is not mine. Right. So it's not going to have an effect on me. If I don't care, then. No, exactly. As soon as you care. As soon as you care. Is uh, when it starts to creep in and it's all you're, you're stewing in it. Right. And if you're the type of person who cares a lot about what other people are saying and or doing <laughs> when you can't control them, you're stewing. Yeah. And that's what the majority of my life was. Right. Like it does like, not take long it many doesn't. people to start just being a, you know, a stewer. Right. And you're just like ruminating and spiraling and the rumination. When I learned about rumination, holy, that answered so many questions for me. And I was like, right, I'm stuck on this one thing. And I just created this whole other reality that didn't even exist because of that one little thing that I put meaning behind. Mm-hmm. Isn't that insane that you you have the capability to completely transform your life by a narrative that you put on yourself? Right. Right. Transform it to the negative. Right. The positive. Right. But yeah, yeah, it's terror. It's- I told my partner, I'm like, what if I just woke up and I just made everything in my life positive? What if I literally was just so full of gratitude 24-7 and I only looked at every situation positive. What do you think that would do for me? There's like a lucky girl syndrome on TikTok right now and everybody's like, everything just works out for me. Lucky girl syndrome. That's what it's, hashtag lucky girl syndrome. Okay. And it it is, it's like, everything just works out for me. And if you just keep on saying it, don't you think that? Well, it's, it dovetails into that classic power of positive thinking. Right. And uh, it's most definitely valuable to think positively because there's not a lot of people achieving great things who are thinking negatively about it. So it's, you know, if you've got the choice, choose the one that's going to be much higher, give you much higher probability of success than the other. Right. And even in the spiritual realm, like I had um, this lady that does lasering and she's very, very spiritual. And she shared with me, she's like, we were out in Toronto and we were walking and all of my friends we're just looking and commenting on all the homeless people and all the bad and bad. And that's, and she was like, I didn't even see them. Cause she's like, she's like, I'm at a whole other vibration where I'm just so grateful for being in Toronto and being with my friends that I only see, like the world is only presenting itself to me in a certain way, but that's because she's actively choosing to look at the world like that. Right. Right. So that was like another cool thing that. Yeah, that is. Another perspective. It's uh. It's going through different tribulations and is is quite helpful to kick some perspective into you. Everything's perspective and perception. Yeah. In life. Beautiful. Yeah. 
Well, Kay, this has been really awesome to have you here. I know. Amazing. Super great deep. So sorry. No, that's great. <laughs> I loved it. Thank you. And Thank you for having we'll do me. Some more. You're so, so welcome. <laughs> it was wonderful. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode with Kay. Follow her on Instagram, TikTok, or hover at Kay Parker Official. Check out more episodes of Cast of Creators on YouTube, your favorite podcast platform, or visit castofcreators.com.